Our foundation scripture um, has been Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. And it says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, or as a man imagines himself to be, okay, as a man thinks in his heart or imagines himself to be, so is he. So is he. So there are many of, of you uh, that have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again, that thoughts have essence. Your thoughts have essence. The truth is thoughts become things. So be careful what you're allowing in your thought process because those things will begin to manifest themselves. And I'm, beginning, I'm going to begin to show some of that today. Last week I said you are what you think you are and you can have what you think you can have, which puts you in the driver's seat. We're all the time asking God to do this or to do that. God, we need you to do this. Lord, do it. Uh, God, we need you to do that. Like, almost like we're playing, you know, fetch with a dog. I'm not saying that you are, but it's like, go get it, God, kind of a thing, right? That's how we pray. But the Word of God is very clear. The Word of God, especially in the New Testament era, puts you and me in the driver's seat. In other words, God makes you responsible. God anoints you. What's the purpose of the anointing if it's not to go do what he wants you to do or for the, to do what God's called you to do? So he said in his word, you cannot call Christ down from above. And you can't call him up from the abyss. For what does the word say? The word is near you, in your heart, in your mouth, the word of God which we preach. So God gave us, y'all here today, I remind me of preaching to myself. I'm just trying to tell you that God puts you back in the driver's seat. He said, He didn't say, you don't say, Lord, now I want you to go and empty out that hospital freighter right now because we believe God wants to heal people. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, heal every single person that's in that place. But that's what the Bible doesn't say to pray like that. The Bible says He anointed you to go and do. And the, He said, Now you go lay hands upon the sick, and whoever you lay hands upon, they shall recover. Somebody say amen to that. So again, you're put back in the driver's seat. Now, now, now hear me out. Albert Einstein said this. He said, we're talking about this thought process. We're talking about imagination. He said this, imagination is more powerful than knowledge because knowledge is limited. Imagination is not. So there's something very important about your thought line and your thought life and your process. I was thinking about this the other day. We've got this dreamers class that's coming up, dreamers class coming up, a, a workshop. You can go online and you can register for that today. I, I would say if you're a dreamer at all, you're going to want to know more about how to interpret the dreams you have, how to throw things away that are not God, how to understand what God's trying to say and how he speaks because God still speaks in dreams. Somebody say amen. He still speaks in dreams. But my point is, to bring it up, is that when I thought about the imagination, but that's like our dreams. It's like dream world. When you, when you drift off into REM sleep and you go into dreams, it's, there is no limitation. Have you ever noticed that? It's you. You're in the dream, but you're not limited to the sciences. You're not limited to um, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, even gravity. gravity. I noticed that I, there's sometimes I've been able to fly in my dreams. Now, I know that looks impossible because it doesn't look like very aerodynamic, but I'm here to tell you, I have flown in my dreams before without an airplane, amen. Or you can do certain things. You're in, you're, you're in one house, and next thing you know, you're in somebody else's house, just like that. How is that possible? But in your dreams, it's completely a, it's a reality, right? The same thing with your imagination. It goes as far as you want it to go. So the only limits to your life are the limits you put on yourself. That's why you've got to break old mindsets and get new mindsets. 
It's time to dream a little bit around here. It's time to get your dreams back out there. Don't let COVID-19 rob you of your future and your children's future. Somebody's listening right now. You're not going to give up. Don't give in. God's about ready to do something. He's about to, ready to wake up the very thing he put inside of you. This is the time. Not some other time. This is that moment. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm a dreamer, and my dreams will come to pass. Now, Romans 12, verse 1 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he tells us how transformation happens, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let me make this statement. Most people think that God is trying to put everybody in a box. And I, I say that because I've been doing this for so many years, and I grew up in the church most of my life, and, 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 and we, we've, we can say that people feel like God, if I go to God, God's going to make me do a certain way and live a certain way, and he's going to put me in a box. Uh, and God's going to take all my fun away from I remember when I was a kid, I don't know why I'm having this thought right now, but when I was a kid and I grew up in church, you know, and back in the 70s, uh, it was a really, 70s and early 80s, it was a really big push about uh, Jesus was coming back at any moment. Which, by the way, I believe he can. He can come back. But that was kind of like the theme of the hour. How many remember back in the 70s? How many was born, in, in, at least you remember the 70s because you were actually in the 70s. Amen. Good. And, and you might remember that that was a big theme. Jesus could come back at any moment, scared all of us kids to death. We thought the rapture was going to come. We saw a movie called The Rapture. And in the movie, there was a kid that was in there, and he came home from school. And there was a, there was a, there was a teapot, and the whistle was going... I can't do it because I'm nervous. And it was going off, and the kid was like, oh, no, I missed the rapture, right? That actually happened to me, by the way. I came home, and I came home from school. I don't know if my mom planned this or not. Came home, and the whistle was going off with the teapot. I said, oh, Jesus, I got the mark of the beast. I'm going to hell. This is it. I literally panicked. I'm screaming, Mom, Mom. I'm like 14 years old screaming for Mom, right? Because I thought the rapture took We were scared. But, but it was a big theme, a big theme in that because I remember thinking that I don't want to serve God because God's going to put me in a box. He's going to make me live a certain way I don't want to live. He's going to take all my fun away from me. He's going to make me marry some ugly girl, and I don't want to marry her because I, I knew my kind of sin. He'd probably make me marry someone I don't want. You know, back when you were a kid, can I just keep it real? Can I keep it really real? This is PG-13. Are y'all ready for this? When I was a kid, I was a healthy, young-blooded male, and there were two things I wanted, sex, and I wanted to drive a car. Amen. And I wanted to do both of them fast. Hallelujah. And my point, my point, my point is, my point is, is that, is that I was like 13 and 14 years old, so I had a couple more years. I had to wait for all that stuff, right? So, so I was for sure that God was going to take that. If I served him, he would never let me have sex. I'm probably never going to drive a car. Jesus, please don't come back before I drive a car. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we think that God's going to try to put us in a box. Actually, God has been trying to get you out of the box since you were born again. Hey, he does not want you to be conformed, confined, or just plain conned. Whom the Son sets free, the Bible says, is free indeed. God's been trying to get you free, set you free, not put you in a box. By the way, God is the one who went into the box, not you. 
God didn't require you to go in the box. He required himself to go in the box. What do you mean? The Bible says, he said, make me an ark. And his ark was about this big by that big. He said, and there I will dwell. When God said, I'm going to dwell on the earth, he did not pick some palatial place or some incredible city and said, this is all mine. You can't have it. He said, put me in the box. And as long as I'm there, you can come to me. But you can only come to me once a year with fear and trembling. That's how God did it. God said, he's going to put me in the box. But when Jesus came, somebody say hallelujah. I'm here to tell this two or three people, maybe two or three that are watching me online right now, to let you know that when Jesus came, the Bible says when he died on the cross and he said these words, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, the Bible said an earthquake came and split the rock all the way to the temple. And the Bible says the separation of the veil between the inner court and the most holies was torn from top to bottom, from God to man, not from man to God, but from God to man. And God in that moment stepped out of that box and now he's all over the world come on and some of you can't stand it you don't want a God that's free you don't like that kind of freedom that God gets to do and say what he wants to do you serve a God who's free and what he wants to do he gets to do you want to put him back in the box because when you put God back in the box you can control him God, get in that box. Don't you embarrass me. My neighbors are out. I don't want the neighbors seeing me praising and worshiping you. I don't want the neighbors to know I'm watching you online right now. I don't want anybody to see me. God, get in that box. Now, don't, be, don't embarrass me. But when trouble comes, you want to go to the box where you put God and rub it like a genie in a bottle and say, come on, genie, give me my three wishes. That's not the God. That's not who we serve. He's almighty God. He's the most high God. There's no one like him. He's sovereign in all his ways. Everybody say it's time to set him free. Amen. Church conformity starts in the mind. Conformity starts in the mind. Most of you all think that you turned out the way you did because of something somebody said or, or did to you. But the truth is you conformed. You gave in to how the world deals with life. The world says an eye for an eye. And Jesus said, forgive him seven times seven every single day. The world says one for all and all for one. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. The world says, take what's yours. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. The world says, somebody else is to blame for how you are. But Romans 2.1 makes it clear. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass the blame on someone else. We got to quit playing the blame game. Blaming your children for being rebellious, but you want to be their friend and not their parent. Blaming your boss for not getting you a raise, but you don't want to work hard. Blaming your church for not doing more ministry, but you never volunteer for anything. Look, your blame only identifies how much you need your mind to be renewed to the word of God. The body of Christ needs a new mindset. Romans 12 is saying your conformity to the world has got you bound in your thinking. And as a man thinks, imagines in his heart to be, so is he. 
So if you want life transformation, you've got to renew your mind with the word of God. That's why you don't want to get up and read your Bible, the word of God, because your mind is always at enmity with God. It's always at war with God. It never wants to do what God wants it to do. It's the soulish realm, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's why the devil will fight you in the realm of the word all the time, from living it, from speaking it, from reading it, from getting it in your heart, because he knows it will transform your life. Let me make this statement. I already kind of said it, but let me say it again. Old thoughts keep old behaviors. Very simple. New thoughts produce new behaviors. That's why you can't keep blaming people. The devil would love you to continue to blame people because you'll never get life transformation. You renew your mind with the word of God, and the word of God has transformative power. It literally transforms your belief system. I know that when I've told the story before, but it bears repeating time and time again, that when we were looking for a church building with our church, we didn't have a church building. We were renting a facility. Nothing wrong with that. And, um, but we believed it was time for us to have a building and so we begin to confess and pray and believe God for, for our place to, that we could call our own. And um, it was an interesting thing because I, I drove by this building, but I didn't, I, many times, but I never, never had a revelation about it being our church. It ever, ever even occurred to me. But we were speaking and declaring the word of God. In the process of speaking and declaring the word of God over a, a place that we would call our own, our home, a home church, um, is, is that um, I was praying one morning. And I said, God, where is it? Where is our building? I need to know. We've been praying and believing and all that. I need to know. Show me. And I'm thinking, get out of the map, look, in the, you know, look, look up who it's for sale, all that kind of stuff. And so show me, Lord. And instantly I heard the Lord say to me, your building is in my word. I thought, what? You're going to give me an address and your word? That's, I'm, you know, you're thinking. And, and the Lord said, my, my, your building is in my word. And I said, Lord, if it's in your word, tell me where to go. And God said, go to the book of Luke. When I went to Luke, it opened up to chapter 19. When I read chapter 19, I said, oh, my God, here it is. Now, you all think that God's going to say 4901 South Howell Avenue. Because we think the way we think, but God thinks the way he thinks. Because when he's done with you, you're going to have a total picture of the package. Not just an address or anything else. And here's what it says in 19, verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse number 29. And it shall come to pass when he, when he drew near to Bethage at, and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. And when I read that, God said, I'm going to send you into a place that's opposing you. It's opposite you. It's not going to be easy. Most people try and they can't get it. But I'm going to give you some favor. Don't, be, don't fret because it's opposite you or opposing you. He said, where as you enter... As you begin to walk it out by faith, he said, you will find a colt tied. And no one has ever sat, and no one has ever sat. And God spoke to me and said, that colt represents my provision for you. My provision. The colt represents the building you need. But son, it's not for you. It's for me. So there's a colt and it's tied. It's entangled. It's tied up. It's going to look like it's impossible to get loose. He said, loose it and bring it here. Don't look at the confines, but now look at the possibilities. Loose it and bring it here to me. 
And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And instantaneously God spoke to me and said, I'm going to put you in a place where it looks like it's opposing. It's going to look like it's all tied up, but it belongs to you, but only because it belongs to me. And if anybody tries to stop you, remind yourself and remind them that it's not for me anyways. The Lord has need of it. Now, church, the powerful thing about this is, is that if I'm looking at the natural, they stole that colt. It didn't belong to them. They stole that colt. And I'm here to tell you that when we bought this building, we got it for a steal. Hallelujah. And God will do the same thing for you. Hallelujah. Whatever you need is in the word of God. Remember, church, Jesus fought the devil not with his hands. Not, not, not with a stick, but he fought him with the word of God. In John 6, Jesus says, it is spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, the word that I speak to you, words, are spirit and they are life. As I'm speaking to you today, notice, get past anything else you see up here, but notice that it's beginning to infuse you with life where it felt like there was some death or where it felt like there there was a need of a resurrection or you didn't feel you felt depressed or discouraged you'll notice that now things are beginning to pick up that's not Jeff Pruitt's talent or ability I need that I need to be picked up I'm not that talented that's the anointing on the word of God and last week I made a statement that in order for you to get the victory in your life you have to take the battle out of the flesh and get it back in the spirit if you're staying in the flesh realm you will lose but once it gets in the spirit there is life soul to the spirit there's life soul to the flesh there's corruption and death by the way jesus fought satan in the spirit he did not fight him in the wilderness get it in the spirit get it in the spirit your battle's not your location how many times have I heard people say, I just got to get out of Milwaukee. It's just ain't got nothing going for it. So much crime, so much violence. What, what's wrong with you? Don't you pick up a newspaper and understand? That's in every major city. The greater question is, how is it that you're a born-again child of God and we belong to the church of Jesus Christ and this stuff continues to go on? God put us here in the driver's seat, come on, y'all, and made us responsible over this. And we got much work to do, although I have seen the improvement over the years. So your, your battle is not the location. Your battle is not your family. Your battle is not your boss, and your battle is not your pastor. And the, battle, the Bible says that, that we, have, uh, we are engaged in warfare, but it's principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. These are the adversarial people, not things, rather, are, are entities, not the people. Do you realize the power that you have at your disposal? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, who created everything on the planet for the Spirit of God was moving in the face of the and God spoke and the Spirit went to work. The power that's made available. The Bible says that God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. And that same Spirit lives in you and me. The capacity of your capability in the realm of the spirit to effect change in the natural is, it's, it's, it is, I don't know the number, it's, it's, it's Google, 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 whatever it is. It's huge. Yeah. 
to the Google power, amen. In other words, it's infinite. My point to you is this. I'm thinking about the madman of Gadarenes. I remember the man that was possessed. The Bible says the madman of Gadarenes. Y'all read your Bible. You remember, just wave your hand at me, amen, in the comment section if you'll say, yes, I know, it'll make you feel very spiritual if you do it. Praise God. <laughs> My point is, is that they had to chain this man. This man would levitate. This man had power. He had a legion, a thousand plus, up to one, up to seven thousand entities living in one body. You talk about your capacity. I know that's a negative thing, but you talk about your capacity for the spirit realm. That's another capacity altogether. And yet the Holy Ghost, with one mention of the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. And ain't no power greater than the Most High. Ain't never a devil came out using Buddha's name. Ain't never a devil came out using Muhammad's name. Ain't never a devil came out using Krishna's name or some other religion or faction of truth. No, but the name of Jesus Christ, you whisper his name and the whole atmosphere begins to change. You either love him or you hate him, but something's going to happen. There's going to be a reaction. Amen. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, this spirit of God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think 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 all that we can ask or imagine 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 what can you imagine god says i can go above that so why do we keep our life wrapped up in a three by five when we can have a 16 by 16 or a 200 by 200 life why, 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 why we got to think so, you know, I'll tell you why. We've been conformed to this world, and the world says there are limits you can only have because of your certain upbringing, because of certain color of your skin, because of your certain, uh, your certain educational background. There's certain limits now upon your life that are applied, but not to the believer. He will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can or think. According to what? The immeasurable power that works within you called the Holy Ghost. See, that's the problem. We, we got to get back into speaking in tongues and get back Pentecostal talk because, because we need it. I said we need it. One hour of speaking in tongues a day will change your whole life and perspective. So the word gives new thought. In other words... It gives revelation. Yeah, last week I believe I used the, the analogy, the, the um, parable of the prodigal son. Now he'd walked away from his father, but now he has nothing. He's living in a pig pen. And the Bible says, and he comes to himself. What was that? A revelation, an epiphany. It was new thought. His old mindset is broken. Now a new mindset comes and says, there's a possibility. It may be a narrow chance, but there is a possibility. If I go back to my father and repent, at least I'll be treated like a servant. I may not be able to come back as a son, but I have a better life than I've got right now. At least he's beginning to ask and think. Did you all catch that? So the word of God puts you in a position to go, there's another chance. There's another opportunity. There's another, there's something potential that could happen. What's so wrong with dreaming about what good can happen? Why do we always condemn ourselves? Well, you know, it is what it is. That's our problem. That's what we really believe. It is what it is, and we cannot change it. That's a lie. 
Yes, in yourself, you can't change it, but the Word of God can. Well, I'll just ask God to change it. No, ask the Lord to change you. How? By the Word of God. Bend your will to what the Word says. Obey the Word on the matter. Amen. It will transform your life, renew your mind to think, oh, I can actually do this. Amen. I feel like I'm preaching really good. If I'm not, forgive me. But I feel like this is conveying some truth today. Psalms 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of your words gives what? Light. So in darkness, when you're in a dark place, you need the word. Because it opens the door for light to come in. It gives understanding to the simple. Lord knows I need that verse. So do you. God gives understanding to people that just sometimes don't get it. So the word makes me look like a genius. Yeah. How did you get through all you've been there? I don't know. I don't really, really, I don't know. Well, I kind of do. I just did what God said to do. And it was the entrance. In other words, the word is a new entry point in your life. The word is a new beginning. The word is a new thought. Let me make this statement. It's hard to find a way out when you can't see the way in. And I'm going to leave this right here because I don't get political. But I'm going to leave this right here. What's going on in the world right now, especially in America, what's going on right now, all the other people that's going on the streets and the stuff that's being showed on social media and all the stuff that's going on, let me just tell you something. That's why you pray for people. You don't judge people, even if they're doing things you don't like. You don't allow that to get in your spirit and become angry or whatever and stir something up, but you begin to pray for them. And look, no one's our enemy, but the Bible said you pray for your enemies. Even if they're your enemies, you're to pray. Because, well, let me just tell you, teach you something here. Because if people can't see the way in, come on, y'all, then they can't see their way out. And if you've got a certain group of people that can't see their way in, they can't see the light of day, they don't know how they're going to do it, you, it's our job and responsibility to help them get out from where they're at so they can see. If God's given you any type of privilege at all in your life, your job is to help somebody who's underprivileged. That's the, that's the fair and balanced way. And there's a lot of other things that go along with that that we have to figure out. And that's some that are right and I'm wrong. And I get all that. But I'm just trying to tell you, the Lord put that in my spirit today. You can't get, how, do you, how can you get out if you can't see in? Mm, 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 mm. Jesus is the word of God made manifest. It's not the time. Lord, give us extra time in Jesus' name. No, Lord, give them peace right now, Lord God, as I preach another two hours. The patience of God will come upon them, and everything will be all right. I don't even want to hear myself for two hours. Here we go. Jesus is the word of God made manifest in the flesh, what the Bible says, right, in John chapter 1, verse 8. So church, Jesus is the promise, which is telling us what? The promise of the word. He is the word. The promise of the word will become manifest. The promise of the word will come to pass. Isaiah 55, 11. If you've ever gotten a promise from God on a scripture or prophetic word or in a dream or a vision, Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. 
It'll not be an empty promise, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and shall and it shall prosper in the thing where I have sent it. You've got a promise from God that the promise He gave you of His Word will never return to Him. It's going to you, and whatever He says, it'll please Him, and it will prosper. I prophesy over you this morning and those that are watching me right now that the word that you have kept in faith is on its way. It's going to come to pass. I prophesy and declare your sad days are coming to an end and your glad days have now come. I prophesy you weeping may have endured for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What is the morning? The morning is the breaking of day. The sun, the darkness is now, but now the sun is breaking forth over the horizon. I declare that your long night is over and your breakthrough is imminent in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. When you get the word of God, you know that the sun is breaking over the horizon. It may not be quite light yet, but the dawn has begun of a new day. Somebody shout yes! Hallelujah. Whatever your deficiency is in your life, find the word on it. There's 66 books in that Bible of yours. Find the word on it. Google it. It's at your fingertips. And then start meditating it and speaking it. Meditate it. Think it. Think it. Think it. And speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Pray it. And you will find that your thinking will begin to shift in the right direction. You're going to get a new mindset. You don't need a new husband, lady. You need a new mindset about your husband. Sir, you don't need a new wife. You need to see her differently. It's a mindset that's got to change, and the Word of God can change that. There is hope. I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to somebody, there is hope in that marriage. There is hope. There is hope. Job twenty two twenty eight says, you shall declare a thing. Speak it, and it will be established for you. Interesting enough, it says, so light will shine on your ways. Because when you speak the word of God, boom, light pierces the darkness. You can't change the fruit until you deal with the root. And the root comes right down to the way we think. And that's why the Bible says don't be conformed to the way they think, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the way that I think. For he says, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher. You've got to come up higher to where he is. And we always do that by becoming spiritual. What do I mean by becoming spiritual? I don't mean perfection because we don't ever get perfect. Not in this life. We're working toward it, but we're not always perfect. We're going to thank God we have, a, we have a clause that says if we sin, we can confess our sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. So thank God for that. But, but, but beyond that, beyond that, we get spiritual by doing two things. Number one, being in your word, reading it, understanding it, grabbing it, putting it in your heart, and by prayer. Those two things will change everything. It renews everything in your life. David and Goliath, um, the Bible talks about them as a, a great story, a true story. Um, we use it now about, you know, we're facing our Goliath. I'm like David in the valley facing Goliath. The world even uses that terminology. But it was an actual story. Long story short of that beautiful, beautiful uh, presentation, the word of God, is that, that David is a small young man, probably about 17 to 20 years of age. 
He goes and defeats his brothers in battle, noticing that they're not engaged in battle, thought they were. And in the middle of these two armies, Israel and, and the, um, um, the Philistine army on the other side, there's a, there's a valley. And in the middle of the valley is a giant by the name of Goliath, and he's cursing the armies of God. He's cursing them, and he's taunting them, and he puts out a proposal, bring out your best warrior. And if I win, you guys bow your knee and come serve us. But if he, win, if he wins, then we'll come bow our knee and we'll serve you. They're all shaking their boots. Saul doesn't know what to do. He's the king. He, nobody will fight this man. He's just too, he's too big. He's too much for us to handle. Some of you have situations right, like not, right now. You feel like it's too much for you to handle. David comes along, and you know what David is? He's not there to hear all the negativity. He's been spending time with his father, his heavenly father, out on the backside of a desert taking care of some sheep. And he goes, give me a shot. What do you mean give me a shot? I'm telling you something right now. I believe I can take him. Now, what do you mean? Why? How? He said, because I killed a lion and God came upon me. And God came upon me a second time and I killed a bear when they tried to attack the sheep. And this God can come upon me and I can take down that uncircumcised Philistine right now today. Give me a shot. And they said, all right. He goes and gets five smooth stones. The Bible says he takes a slingshot because that's what he knows. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to know all the art of war. Just take what you do have. And be accurate and trust God for the rest. He takes it. And the Bible says before he slings his rock, his little rock toward this massive man, a rock, y'all. I'm not, and we're talking about he's armored from head to toe. Talking about, I'm talking about his sword weighs over 100 pounds, the Bible says. Big man. Some think in the neighborhood of 9 to 12 feet tall. Massive man, right? And um, he, before he hurls that rock, he says these words, The Lord God has put you into my hand. And this day I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take off your head. And I'm going to feed your body to the fowls of the birds of the air. And he, before he, he spoke, he's let that thing go. And when he did, that thing went like a heat-seeking missile and hit him in the most vulnerable spot, took him down. And then David takes that man's sword, the giant sword, and chops his head off. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, you got to learn to speak and direct the word of God. Speak. Speak first, then do. Speak first, then do. Pray first, then do. Come on. Because meditation, which means to think by muttering. Think so much about it, your mouth begins to come into alignment, begins to speak it. That's what meditation is. Meditation is the pathway to manifestation. Meditation is the pathway to manifestation. Whatever you think, you'll have. Whatever you think you are, you'll, you'll be. And whatever you think you have, you will have. Lastly, many of you need to change your mindset as it pertains to your prosperity. You don't have to live uh, in shortage or in lack or in fear of not enough. His name, God's very name. See, you got to renew your mind to what God is and who he is. His name is El Shaddai. What does that mean? The God of more than enough. Y'all know, he's more than, he, God is more than enough. Not just enough, he's surplus. Not just take care of your bills, but go on vacation too. But he has a plan. You've got to begin to put that plan into place. And the plan takes some faith. And the plan will take an act of obedience, which really is faith. That's all that is. And you do it, not because you feel it, because that's what God expects. And he said these words. He said, he said, he said, if he said, 
He said, the reason why you don't have studies in Malachi is because you don't give your tithe and offering. Can a man rob God? He said, but you said I've robbed you. He said, in what way? He said, in tithes and offering. You've robbed me. Therefore, you keep putting your money in a bucket, but the bucket has holes. So you can only keep it for so long and it's gone. Keep a little bit and then it's gone. Keep a little bit and then it's gone. For some of you, it's like you keep going backwards. Why don't you do what the Bible says? He said, try me now in this. Try me what? Give your tithe and offering. Try me now if I will not open the windows of heaven over you. You've got to begin to change your mind about what God says. God wants to prosper you watching on streaming. God wants to prosper every single one of us. But we got to do it God's way. It's God's way. Yahweh. Yahweh. Not your way. Amen. And once we do it, we start seeing change begin to happen. All of a sudden, the favor of God comes on you and opportunities begin to open for you. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get a mysterious check in the mail. He might do that. I'm not saying some company's going to say, we, don't, we can't find your debt anymore. He might do that too. But he may give you a better job. He might just open something up else up for you that you didn't even know you could, you could do or have. And all of a sudden, you just begin to obey God. And here it comes, more prosperity, more blessing, more than enough. Because it becomes a part of your life.